The message today is out of Matthew chapter 15, and we got an excellent start in that last week. We had that picture that comes out of that the, the Matthew re, you know recalls for us the the Pharisees and the scribes are coming to where Jesus is, uh, so they're traveling quite a distance uh, to come to where Jesus is to actually challenge him. They're coming from Jerusalem, so they're traveling a ways. And their purpose to challenge him has already been established in Matthew earlier. They want to destroy him. And initially, in the idea of that word destroy can be broad in the sense destroy him, i.e., you know, discredit him in his teaching. Certainly, they wanted to do that. But it had gotten to the point where they wanted to more than destroy his teaching they were at the point where they wanted to destroy him literally. And so they're looking for a way to trip him up. And so far you'll recall that he's tried like, oh, you were going through the grain fields and you got a hold of some grain and you rubbed it in your hands. That's work. That's not work according to the Scripture, but that was work according to the, the Jewish uh, oral teachings and traditions. Now that didn't come from the Word of God. And it was believed that the oral traditions came from Moses, that God gave them to Moses and Moses passed them on. But there's nothing in the Word of God that speaks about oral traditions. And so they had built all of these man laws around the Word of God. And uh, so they said, hey, Jesus, you're breaking the law. You're doing this. And Jesus, uh, you know, we know Jesus wasn't breaking the law. He, he wrote the law. The, word, the law came from Him. He is the Word in the flesh. He knows the law. He had no sin. And He told them at the end of that conversation, He says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. They got a glimpse of it right there. They were not happy with Him. So here in chapter 15, they come along and they said, again, we notice that your disciples are eating food, but they haven't washed. And when they said they hadn't washed, they didn't mean they hadn't cleaned their hands off. And it doesn't mean necessarily that the disciples' hands were filthy dirty. There was a ceremonial washing that the, and I'm doing all of this to get the idea that, you know, up to the elbows and different kinds of things that they were required to do. They said, your disciples don't do this. And again, this comes from the oral traditions, not from the Word of God. And, you know, uh, Jesus did reply to them, uh, why do you, you know, you know, take this, you know, you, you're taking this and making a big deal out of this when you ignore the law itself, literally the law itself. You've come up with an oral tradition that says you can set aside all your money, call it Corbin, we can get that out of the Gospel of Mark, which means a gift to God. And as a result, you are no longer obligated. And in some circumstances, a strict interpretation would say you can't give it to help any other need, which means now I'm out of the obligation to honor my mother and father, the fifth commandment. You can see Jesus is not anyone that you're going to trip up. Again, he is the word in the flesh come to dwell with us. And so, you know, I can't imagine how frustrated they are getting. 
But he even points out at, at the end of that passage, and, and this was handled so really well last week, that Isaiah says, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And then into our scripture for today. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out this, the, of the mouth. This defiles a person. Again, this is something that the Pharisees hear. He called all the people. He is, this is something he is saying publicly. And there is a law that talks about what you put in your mouth. In the sense of what you eat and being unclean foods. Is Jesus nullifying that? Well, actually, Mark says he is. And we'll see a clearer picture of that in Acts uh, with, uh, uh, where the, God opens the, 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 the heavens and, and, and lowers to, to, to Peter a floodgate of foods that were unclean. And Peter says, no, no, not me. I've never done that. And God says, don't, don't call unclean what I've created. So God had made a transition. We're not going to get into all of that other than the fact that what Jesus was saying was putting something in your mouth is not what makes you unclean. Something else does. And it was kind of a parable. And he says, therefore, whatever comes out of your mouth, that shows whether you're clean or not. You see, you could literally put something unclean in your mouth, not realize it, be unclean ceremonially, and go and get forgiveness, and it would be taken care of. But he's still saying there could be still something come out of your mouth, had nothing to do with what you put in it, and it be unclean. Like not honoring your mother and your father and saying you can't help them. And by the way, most of the people keep that idea that that has to do with, with children honoring their parents. Obviously, Jesus makes a very clear point that we are to honor our mother and father as long as they live. And to the best of our ability, come alongside them in whatever way we can to minister to them. I think it's a powerful picture. So he says that he's, he's he, you know, he, this to the people. But it says then, verse 12, then the disciples came and said to him, so this is now more of a quiet personal conversation. Then the disciples came and said to Jesus, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Jesus answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They're blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he's referring to this, this in and out of the mouth thing. And he's in... And Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this is what defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, false witness, theft, slander. These are with uh, what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. 
Jesus is is making it very clear here. You know, he's you know, uh, first off, the, the the Pharisees are more interested in teaching uh, commandments of men and traditions of men than they are the the word of God. In fact, there were some Pharisees who held that if you violated the oral traditions, you were in just as if you had violated the Scripture itself. So you can see how legalism got. And, and I have to say, we have to be careful even in this day about legalism. We can get the same way. We can start to, you know, be around and, and look. And, and, and uh, I, re- I recall, uh, you know, a number of situations that I've seen over the, the years uh, as a believer in different congregations. And, you know, every congregation kind of has a set of, 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 of rules, if you will, that are kind of unwritten. It just kind of becomes who we are eventually. For matter, you know, where you sit. <laughs> Think about that. You know, we sit pretty much in the same place all the time. And I almost wonder if when somebody's visiting and they're sitting in our seat, you're kind of like, oh, yeah. And, and, and I'll tease Ralph Johnson. Ralph Johnson might ask you to move. Uh, you know, uh, but, but the idea is, is that, and I'm teasing with that stuff as much as I'm getting to the point, is that we have certain things. For instance, the church that I belong to, playing cards, and I've shared this many times, was a no-no. Going to the movie theater was a no-no. Dancing was a no-no. Smoking and drinking were no-nos. And when I say that, I don't mean that any of those things are right or wrong as much as that they weren't written down anyway, anywhere. They were oral traditions and you learned them by mistake. Basically, when you got caught doing one of those, oh, now we're not sure whether you're saved or not. We may have to dunk you again. Uh, and I, I often joke that if they'd known my background when they baptized me, they'd have held me down longer. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I was 26. And, 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 and so it's, you know, Jesus is trying to make it clear. You're caught up with these traditions and you've forgotten the most important things. Or you've laid aside the most important things. We want to be careful. We don't get caught in the same trap. It's not what goes into uh, the mouth that defiles a person. Uh, What shows a man or a person is defiled or unclean is what comes out of his mouth. And, And the disciples come to Jesus so and they say, people were offended by this. The Pharisees were offended by this saying. Now, this shows, and it's kind of a side issue, they were still, you've got to remember the disciples from the time that they were in, born, basically, well, not basically, from the time they were born, they were brought up in Jewish tradition. On their belief window is a myriad of things that do not have anything to do with the law of God, that they do automatically, uh, words that they say, prayers that they might say at any moment given their time because it's a traditional way of approaching it. And so the fact that the Pharisees were upset about this, you know, even though they were beginning to understand that the Pharisees weren't always on top of things here. I mean, Jesus did say several uh, you know, months back, uh, you've heard it said and taught this, but I say, you know, 
and so they're, they're getting the idea of it. But here they're coming, and I think they're asking a legitimate question. We don't understand. You know, you know the Pharisees are upset about this. Why are we antagonizing them is an implication here. And, and uh, Jesus has to kind of explain to them. He says, you know, you don't understand? You still don't get it? Well, it starts with, and, and, and it's kind of a, it starts with almost a mystery in itself. He says, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Now, who is he referring to that is planted at this point? The Pharisees. Who planted them? It says, not God. He said, those who are defiling themselves in this format... Uh, they're not planted by God. If they're not planted by God, they're planted by the evil one. You can't get away from it. I can't help but go back to stay. I can't help but go back to the to the the parable of the tares, the weeds in the field, and say some are planted and not by God, and they will stay there until the harvest time. But at a point in time, they'll be discarded and, and burned up. And here we have, you know, Jesus saying uh, they they will be rooted up. At a given point in time, they will be rooted up. In their case, I, I, I think this might even be an allusion to 70 A.D. when the temple is destroyed and, and, and Jerusalem is, is, is leveled. not really sure that I can view that other than that there were some indications from others that were trying to read between the lines with these. But the idea is, you know, Jesus says very clearly the same thing he said in reference to the, the tares in the field or the weeds in the field. Leave them alone. Just leave them alone. I know they're, they're, so they're upset with us. Leave it alone. Let them go their way. And uh, it's kind of a something to that for us, too. You know, sometimes we can get caught up in, in frivolous side arguments when we're trying to actually begin by defending the Word of God. And we want to be careful that we don't get sidetracked on, on these side issues and 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 get off the main point. Who is God? Did He come in the flesh? Did He dwell among us? Is the Word of God the Word of God? And what if we start with that? There's a number of people who are going to shake their head at us and walk away. I think Jesus says, "Let them walk." There is a point in time. Where God starts to work in the heart and the mind of somebody, and all of a sudden, boom. And what was alien to them, and they wouldn't have listened to for any amount of money, actually, you know, they'll turn and hear and a beginning of a transition, and the Holy Spirit working on them begins. Where does it begin? Changing the heart. Okay? I know biology. I know that this is a muscle. I know a lot about it because they've had my muscle out on a outside of my my chest and worked on it. Now, so I know how that is. Okay, but we call it, it basically it's the seat of our depth of our soul and our understanding is what is being talked about. Jesus is basically saying the heart is the issue.
Let them alone. They are blind guides. That is a sad pronouncement. I said, I thought about that, and it's the first time I ever thought about that. Applying it to just wrestling with it myself, I, I, I thought, have I ever been a blind guide? I really believe that I'm coming from the Word of God in my life today. I really believe that when I share, I'm sharing from my heart everything that I can that I believe is telling us what the Word of God is. And so I may make some mistakes. I may, you know, but a blind guide is a person who directs you where? Away from Jesus. Because it ends in a pit. That's the opposite of where you end with Christ. If we're directing people to the best of our ability towards Christ, God is with us. God in us. Holy Spirit working through us. If we're the best of our ability, we're doing this. We've confessed with our mouth and surrendered in our hearts that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Will we still possibly make mistakes? Yeah, Paul pointed out Peter kind of got it confused at one point. He had been sitting with the Gentiles until the Jews from Jerusalem showed up and he moved and oversat with their table because he didn't want to look out of place. Paul rebuked him. It's possible to make a mistake, yes. But the idea is, what is the intent of the heart? I really believe that's important. Does that excuse you from sin? No. But it is what's supposed to become the thing that drives us. That our heart is so in love with what Christ and and overwhelmed with what Christ has done with us that we want it to influence our outer life. At that point, may I do things in response to that that someone else might look at me and say, well, he's just, you know, clean on the outside and, and, and dead on the inside. I mean, there's somebody that might believe that about me, you know, but. I know that I know that I know that hopefully, you know, and I say hopefully in a, in a positive way, what you see in my life, you can, you can assess is the result of what God has done in my heart. That's what we're talking about here. We are either leading people towards Christ or we are, are, are not. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. This is what defiles a person. He goes on to give them examples of what that would include. And you look at verse 19, and it says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Okay? And then it says, Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. I believe he's thinking about this in the context of evil thoughts. Take us back again to Matthew where he says, I know you know all about adultery and the physical act of adultery. And even if you stay away from that, if you do it in here, you still sin. I know you guys know all about murder and what it means to murder someone. But if you do it in here, it's still sin. 
I can't help but believe that when he, the way he rephrased this, evil thoughts, plural, and then lists a group of things, that he's referring to even the thought process about any of these things. Don't forget that. It's not just the act of, it's the thinking about it, dwelling on it, that is wrong. If we begin to have thoughts about somebody that we are angry with, the Scripture gives us an answer to do something about it. Go to them. What if they don't want to resolve the argument? There's nothing you can do about it but your attempt. And come at peace with God about it. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Are these things sin? Yes. And where do they begin? In the heart. In the depth of who we are. In our thinking. In our anger. In our unresolved conflict. Things that we should have taken to God and got resolved that have not been taken care of. I know it, it's, it's repetitive and I say it all the time, but, but I know that it's always true for most everybody else. When you get robbed of a parking space you raided for. And for a moment, you want to shake your fist and say, that, I've been sitting here, over here, out of the traffic, waiting for that. I even had my turn signal on so everybody would know, I'm claiming that space. And they came from the wrong way and turned in with me with that little car. Of course, I could have had my wife's little car not my, and, 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 and not my big truck. I could have done that too, I guess. But, you know, I, 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 I'm just saying, there's a point where we want to shake our fists and, and all of those kinds of things. And, and God is saying, you know, that even that is, 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 is a sin. We let anger get ahead of us. And I have to tell you, I have seen people then get out of the car that needed that closer space more than I did. It's kind of embarrassing at that point. The thoughts, the mind, the things we hang on to in our, in our belief window that come from our childhood and our family upbringing and stuff, they have nothing to do with the Word of God that corrupt us and, 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 and redirect our thinking. God says He wants to change all of that from the heart out in us. That's what David was crying out for. Not just the sin against Bathsheba. But, uh, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, but, but, but uh, the sin in the context of, I have sinned before you. I have uh, I've become everything that I, I know I'm not supposed to be. God Create in me a clean heart. Restore me to the joy of my salvation. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me, Lord, but let it blossom, let it grow, let it have control. And it's interesting what then happens. In in Psalm 51, uh, David is, is saying, you know, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. 
Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Do you see what has happened? The heart is changed and now the exterior is doing something about it. The exterior isn't doing something about it and then the heart changes. I hope you see the difference. You can't do all of this and then sit and hope that that changes your heart. Your heart must change, and then the result is the things that you do. And an interesting thing, you'll do more and more of it in secret the older you get because you really know you don't need the credit for it. There have been more things done for Kathy and I than, we, than, than probably at this point we can remember that we don't have a clue as to who did it for us, including assistance through Bible. Well, we have clues, but we don't know for sure. We've tried to figure it out, but it didn't work. We never got any final answers on things. People that helped us through Bible college, when we were running out, of, when we had run out of money, had a new baby in the home, and we needed certain stuff, and I opened the door. We hadn't told anybody, but we opened the door. Well, I couldn't open the door. There was a box of groceries. No, you know, somebody just did an outward act because, in their heart. They were compelled. I really think that's what Jesus is driving here. What he's driving for is that we'll have this kind of heart that says, God's in me. And, and I, I can't help but share with you in an attitude of putting yourself ahead of me. Putting you ahead of me. Putting my wife ahead of me. The only thing that's ahead, you know, the other way around would be God is first. And you've heard me say this so many times. God is first. The other man is second. I'm third. When it comes from the heart, that's the way it works. The Pharisees had it exactly opposite. They were saying God was first, but they had themselves in the limelight. And as a result, nothing was coming from the heart. And that's what Jesus said. You're blind and you're leading the blind with you to the pit. In a commentary uh, by James Boyce, there's a, uh, a finish to, to part of this. It, it's, uh, it's actually not Boyce that wrote this uh, that I'm going to quote to you. It's actually by John Ryle uh, from his book, Exposition Thoughts on the Gospel of Matthew. But it, it's, it's a quote that, that Boyce puts in here in chapter 15 of the study of the book of Matthew. What is the first thing we need in order to be Christians? A new heart. What is the sacrifice God is asking to bring to him? A broken and contrite heart. What is the true circumcision? Old Testament, male circumcision. New Testament, there is a parallel to this. The circumcision of the heart. What is to to be sin is cut away. What is, what is genuine obedience? To obey from the heart. What is saving faith? To believe from the heart. Where ought Christ to dwell? To dwell in our hearts by faith. What is the chief request that wisdom makes unto everyone? My son, give me thy heart. That is the very wise summary of what true faith is about. Do you want a new heart? The only place you will ever get it is from God. The Father and from Jesus, who made the gift possible 
come to God, ask Jesus for it. The Pharisees would not come. Which is why they perished in their sins. On the back of our bulletin is a, a thing called the Roman Road. It's exciting for me because the kids are learning it in Sunday school as to be a part of their memory verse. It's one of those things that you would want on your kid's belief window. Okay? And... Uh, the idea is very clear. What are the wages of sin? Death. How many people sin? Everybody. What's the solution to sin? Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. How did all of that happen? That's what we celebrate every time we share in communion. How did it happen? It happened because Jesus Christ, the Word of God, became flesh, dwelt among us, revealed the Father, and then when John the Baptist saw him, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus became the sacrifice. He says in the Garden of Gethsemane, He drank the cup of God's wrath, God's judgment for our sins. We'll never know God's wrath and judgment for our sins. We'll know some consequences laterally this way. And rightly deserved. But, will never know the wrath because Jesus Christ took it on the cross. Spilled out His blood. Poured out His blood. And that's what we celebrate at communion. I'd ask the ushers to come forward. Ask the uh, uh, worship team to come. And we'll share communion. Hold the emblem until we've all been served and we'll share it together.
I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when He was betrayed, took bread. And when He'd given thanks, He broke it, and He said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way, also, He took the cup, After supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes again. Father, again we come to You. Lord, I realize that even communion can be something that we do in an outward symbol and not reflect our hearts. We ask, Lord, that You indeed, as we sung, create in us a clean heart. Restore unto us the joy of Your salvation. That, that, that joy of, of, of I think, of, of, of even Jesus explaining it in Revelation. Return to Your first love, that joy of our salvation. Thank You, Lord, for what You have done. Cause that to overwhelm, to bubble up and, 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 and flow out. Jesus said out of us would come rivers of living water. Cause that to be what happens to us, around us, and, 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 and from our congregation and from our church. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand as we close? I want to say, Lord, bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. Have a wonderful rest of the day. We've got some refreshments in the back if you've got a few moments to stay and visit. And uh, that's, wow, it's sunny out there. Have a good rest of the day. <laughs>